Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. On Saturday, April 2nd, 2022, LDS Apostle Dale G. Renlin addressed an audience of female Latter-day Saints. It was the General Conference's women's session. And he brings up something that probably most of us outside of the LDS Church would not be familiar with, but he brings up this topic of the young women's theme. He says in his opening lines that the profound doctrine taught in the young women theme is important for young women, but it is applicable to all, including those of us who are not young women. So to better understand what he is talking about, perhaps it would help if we look at his footnote, which is footnote one, where he mentions the name of Bonnie H. Corden. And it says in that footnote, there's a title for a talk that was Beloved Daughters, and you can find it in the Ensign or the Leahona magazine for November of 2019. Now you have to understand, back then, the Ensign and the Leahona were two separate magazines, and then later, in the next year, 2020, the Leahona then became, you might say, the new ensign. They dropped that title, and now they just use the title Leahona for their a magazine that is meant for adult members. And it says that this was the young women theme, and then it gives the churchofjesuschrist.org, which of course is the official website of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What did Bonnie Corden have to say regarding the Young Women theme in her talk, Beloved Daughters? And this is the Young Women theme that apparently is known by all the young women in the church, repeated uh, and talked about. Five sentences. Brenlin only cites the first sentence, but I think we ought to read the whole thing just to get an idea of the entire theme. It says, I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I strive to become like him. I seek and act upon personal revelation and minister to others in his holy name. I will stand as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places. As I strive to qualify for exaltation, I cherish the gift of repentance and seek to improve each day. With faith, I will strengthen my home and family, make and keep sacred covenants, and receive the ordinances and blessings of the Holy Temple. So you could say, in essence, that this is kind of like a mini creed. It's just something that the female members of the LDS Church should be following if they want to be the best example that they can possibly be as members of the Church. Now, Renlund's going to go on, and he's going to cite what basically what you cited, the first point of that. He says, the young women theme begins, I am a beloved daughter of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. And he goes on and says, this statement contains four important truths. First, you are a beloved daughter. Nothing you do or do not do can change that. 
God loves you because you are his spirit daughter. Sometimes we may not feel his love, but it is always there. God's love is perfect. Our ability to sense that love is not. And I would tend to agree with what he says at the end. Many times, even as New Testament Christians, it's difficult in a circumstance that we may be going through to not really sense that love that God has for us. But I think there's a huge difference in our theology compared to LDS theology, and that is nowhere do we find in the New Testament this idea that every creation, every human creation on the face of the earth is a son or daughter of God. We find in the New Testament that that title is given to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they become sons and daughters of God. And this changes everything when you think about it, because in light of the LDS understanding, it makes me wonder, how does a Latter-day Saint really understand the words that Renlund just spoke when he says, you are a beloved daughter, nothing you do or do not do can change that. But yet in LDS theology, what you do or do not do has serious eternal consequences. I mean, if you're not living celestial law, for instance, you do not have any hope of getting into the celestial kingdom and therefore receiving all of the benefits that that celestial kingdom offers, which of course is being together with your husband or wife and your children, the grandparents in a family unit, receiving, if you're a Mormon male, your own world in order to populate throughout eternity. You get none of that. If you don't get any of that, does a Latter-day Saint understand that to be God's love upon you? You see, this is where this idea of being a child of God or a son or daughter of God, as it's taught in Mormonism, tends to really undermine a lot of the verses that the New Testament talks about when it comes to God's love. And certainly we know from the New Testament, and I think Latter-day Saints would agree, that when it says that God is love, certainly there are degrees to this love. You would have to say that, because God is going to shower upon his children certain things that he's not going to give to non-children of God. But it becomes kind of cloudy in the context of Mormonism, because as we've said, everybody in their view is a child of God. What, what does that really look like? Well, you go back to the young women theme, and notice the last part. As I strive to qualify for exaltation, I cherish the gift of repentance and seek to improve every day. With faith, I will strengthen my home and family, make and keep sacred covenants and receive the ordinances and blessings of the Holy Temple. Bill, we have said so many different times that this is a religion of doing, and if you don't keep your end of the bargain, God's not obligated to keep his end of the bargain. And it's interesting because in saying that, Eric, he will actually go right along with what you just brought out. He's going to talk about that in this very talk. This is why I'm kind of confused how a Latter-day Saint can really understand this perfect love that Renlund talks about. He says sometimes we may not feel his love, but it is always there. God's love is perfect. Our ability to sense that love is not. But here, here's, I guess, where my question is answered. And that is in footnote number three, after he says God's love is perfect. And Bill, before we get to that, I want to just cite from 
Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president, because Latter-day Saints today don't like to talk about hell or judgment. They want to make it sound like everybody's going to heaven. They don't talk about the different degrees of glory. If you don't know very much about that, they're not going to bring it up. They're not going to talk about a celestial, terrestrial, or telestial glory. But listen to what Joseph Fielding Smith says. He says, this earth will become a celestial kingdom when it is sanctified. Those who enter the terrestrial kingdom, that's the second kingdom, will have to go to some other sphere, which will be prepared for them. Those who enter the telestial kingdom, that's the bottom kingdom, likewise will have to go to some earth which is prepared for them, and there will be another place which is hell where the devil and those who are punished will go with them to dwell. Of course, those who enter the telestial kingdom and those who enter the terrestrial kingdom, a reminder, those are not where the celestial kingdom is, this earth, will have the eternal punishment which will come to them in knowing that they might, if they had kept the commandments of the Lord, have returned to his presence as his sons and daughters. This will be a torment to them, and in that sense, it will be hell. So this goes back to my question. Do the sons and daughters of God who are members of the LDS Church, because that's what they are told they are, and they are placed in that kind of a dire situation that you just cited from Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president, are they expected to feel God's love in that situation? See, this, this is where I, I wonder, how does this language work to a Latter-day Saint? Because what... Dale Renlin is going to do is he's going to cite as an explanation for what he means about God's love being perfect. He's going to cite Romans chapter 8. But I think this is what becomes confusing, especially for those of us outside of the LDS church, because someone can hear from the pulpit a leader like Dale Renlin say words. How are those words understood? How are those words being received? Because I would think that if I, in fact, were a son or daughter of God, as Renlund certainly believes, and he's teaching here, but later on in his talk, he's going to mention how if you don't live up to these certain standards, there's going to be consequences. So as a Latter-day Saint, hearing Renlund talk about God's love being perfect, but yet they end up in the telestial kingdom, let's not forget, folks, if you end up according to Mormonism, in either the terrestrial or the telestial kingdoms, God the Father, the God of Mormonism, does not want to see your face ever again. He wants nothing to do with you. And as you read from Joseph Fielding Smith, you are definitely separated away from all those who did what was right according to the theology of the LDS Church. That was a powerful quote, and somebody's going to ask for the reference. So that was found in Answers to Gospel Questions, Volume 2, page 210. And Joseph Fielding Smith, we can say, was one of the most profound theologians the Church has ever had. Oh, yeah. I would think that Joseph Fielding Smith would rate up there as one of the more leading theologians of the LDS Church. And certainly, I would even say his son-in-law, Bruce McConkie, he was also one of the leading theologians of the Church during his lifetime. Now, he died in the mid-1980s, but still, those two men, I think, talked more about doctrinal issues than just about anybody during that time. And could I even be wrong, Eric, in saying even since that time, we don't see a whole lot of LDS leaders that deal a lot in 
what I would say are the deeper things of LDS theology. They just don't do that. And this is, this is why I think this discussion is important. You can throw out things like, well, God's love is perfect. We may not feel his love, but it's always there. And again, I'm looking from the outside in. I admit this. But how are these LDS women interpreting that? What does that mean, especially when he goes on later in his talk to talk about consequences of not living up to the standard that all LDS members are supposed to live up to? When we were prepping for the show, I mentioned the sister missionary that came to my door. And when I was citing her own scripture to her about how God does not look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, what does she come back with? Well, yeah, but Heavenly Father loves us. What does that mean in light of the verse that I just read from D&C section 1? If he doesn't look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, and you are in sin, which all Latter-day Saints are, then what are the consequences of that? And does that fulfill your understanding of how Heavenly Father loves us? What does that even mean? And that's why I'm saying these leaders can throw out words all they want. They can make you feel good. But if you're not really wanting to know what he means by these words, can't you be deceived by that? Because I would think that if a Latter-day Saint really thinks they're a son or daughter of God and they find themselves in the telestial kingdom, I'm wondering, that doesn't seem like I'm feeling this. And you probably wouldn't feel it throughout eternity if Mormonism is true. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.